Hey, Home Slices. This episode is actually part two of a two-part episode where I compare the first Terminator movie to the second Terminator movie, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. If you haven't listened to part one on the first Terminator movie, stop this podcast now and go listen to part one. If you have listened to part one, great. You're right where you need to be. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. Bad to the bone. I can't do that too fast. All right, let's talk about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. It's the James Cameron-directed 1991 sequel to Terminator, featuring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton, who both reprise their roles. In this movie, we get introduced to a young John Connor, Sarah's son, played by Edward Furlong, and a scary A-1000, played by Robert Patrick. As always, here are some fun facts about the movie. Robert Patrick, who played the scary... Terminator metal guy undertook a rigorous running regime and practiced breathing only through his nose in order to appear to be a cyborg that could run at high speeds without showing fatigue. He had trained so hard that he was able to catch up to Edward Furlong on his dirt bike with ease, which to me is one of the scariest parts of this movie. That run is iconic, okay? The next one fact is that production took sufficiently long that Edward Furlong's growth caused the production team to have to make certain adjustments during the shoot. He's noticeably younger in the desert scene than in the other scenes. His voice begins to break and had to be pitch adjusted in post-production. He also had grown quite tall over the months so that for one scene shot late in the production schedule, he had to stand in a hole in the ground in order to maintain continuity in his high difference with Linda Hamilton. This is why you don't work with children or animals. <laughs> they grow. Okay. <laughs> the third fun fact is that this is the only Terminator film to win or be nominated for an Oscar. It won four out of the six it was nominated for, which is pretty cool for an action or a sci-fi film. If you want to check out Terminator 2 Judgment Day, you can watch it on Netflix as of the recording of this episode. I don't know why movies don't travel with their sequels when they come on streaming, but whatever. My personal connection to this film is interesting. Even though I haven't watched this film in over 10 years, I remember loving it as a child. It had so many iconic lines. I'll be back, hasta la vista baby, a lot of action. It featured Arnold as the good guy. It had a cute boy in it, you know, I was young at the time. And a scary, like threatening villain, okay? I mean, if I saw Robert Patrick in real life, I don't think I would trust him. 
that's how well he played this role. <laughs> the story in the movie was pretty good. And if I can recall correctly, I feel like I could mostly follow it without having seen the previous movie. And people kind of universally agree that this one was better. I want to point out that one of the memories that stands out from this movie that's like pretty fresh in my mind is that the black couple in this film do some of the best acting that I've ever seen in this movie. They embody fear so well, okay? They literally look scared for their lives when they are under attack. Their performance, like I said, always sticks out in my mind. But the actors are Joe Morton and S. Ipatha Merkerson, who play Miles and Teresa Dyson. You may recognize Morton as Eli Pope from Scandal, and you may recognize Merkerson from Law and Order, Pee Wee's Playhouse, or Chicago Med. I really enjoyed this movie as a kid, so I am excited to share my perspective. Let's chat. So this movie opens up in the normal present day, but quickly switches to a post-apocalyptic 2029 AD, where tons of cars are piled up and burned on the highway, buildings have crumbled, billions have died. Apparently 3 billion people died in a nuclear fire on August 29th, 1997, according to the narrator, who is Linda Hamilton or Sarah Connor. It's been seven years since the last movie and the graphics have improved drastically. So similar to the first movie, most of mankind was wiped out in a nuclear war and the remaining people on earth had to fight the machines. So now we see a little battle scene from 2029 with lots of human soldiers fighting different machines. There's flying ones, there's hunter killers, there's terminators that don't have any skin or flesh. And the battle scene shows a drastic improvement from the last movie graphics wise. And it also appears that there are a lot more humans left on earth this time than in the last movie. I'm just assuming the budget went way up y'all. So the narrator tells us that Skynet, the computer that controls the machines, sent two Terminators back in time. The first one was Arnold Schwarzenegger in the first movie, okay? And that mission in 1984 obviously failed. In the second movie, we actually see John Connor leading the resistance. John is 45 in 2029 and has a large scar on the left side of his face. And we find out that the second Terminator was sent when John was a child. But like the first time, the Resistance was able to send someone to protect John. So in the first movie, the protector was Reese, who turned out to be John's dad. In this movie, the protector is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And at this point, I'm like, how? <laughs> we figure that out later. So there's a credit sequence that's going on that's showing a playground that's on fire. This playground they had showed earlier in the movie and it is a recurring theme throughout the movie. I believe that it's a representation of the destruction of innocence, just like how the machines plan to wipe out John and his childhood. So we go to present day and a truck starts up and a weird electrical storm happens again. The graphics for the electrical storm have not improved. <laughs> I will say that. But a naked man appears and it's a slightly older Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this time a little portal is shown around him and that portal eats through like the surrounding area. I feel like that's not really an improvement to me, but whatever. We see that he's still a machine and he enters a nearby countryish bar while he's naked to try to find some clothing. 
So the patrons are stunned because like he's tall, he's big and he's naked. Okay. The women are eyeing him like, mm, you know, you look good. And we see the world through his eyes and he's sizing people up to see if he can fit their clothes. So finally he finds this like biker thug who's about the same size. And he's like, give me your clothes, give me your boots, give me the keys to your motorcycle. And the man is a motorcycle thug. So he's like, uh-uh. And he laughs and puts out a cigar on Arnold Schwarzenegger's chest. So just like in the first movie, the first real scene is Arnold Schwarzenegger kicking some butt. So Arnold grabs this guy and he beats him up and his crew. The guy that has the clothes that he wants gets thrown onto the kitchen stove, which I thought was an interesting scene. He throws one dude out the window and then the third guy stabs him and that guy gets hemmed up and stabbed in the back himself. And so finally Arnold gets the keys from the right size man and he takes his clothes. And so bad to the the bone plays in the background as Arnold Schwarzenegger continues on his way. And so a man comes out with a shotgun and Arnold's not playing that. So he takes it from him and he takes that man's sunglasses too. And he heads out. So Arnold Schwarzenegger is back and he's bad as ever y'all. So in a different scene, we see another electrical storm in an underpass as an officer passes by. So the officer goes to check it out and he sees a hole burned into a fence, which represents the portal. So we know somebody else came from the future. It's a naked Terminator played by Robert Patrick. He attacks the officer and it looks like he takes his clothes, but the type of Terminator he is don't need clothes. So he kind of assumes his identity, I'll say. So it's not clear if the officer is dead either, but Robert, I'm calling him Robert. I'm going to say Robert and Arnold a bunch of times because they're both Terminators and I don't want to <laughs> confuse anybody. But Robert uses the computer in the cop's car to look up John Connor. We find out that John was born on February 28th of 1995 and is now 10 years old. This means that this movie, despite having come out in 1991, actually takes place in 1995. So he has a juvenile record for trespassing, shoplifting, serving the peace and vandalism. And we see that he is no longer in his mother's custody. He's living with a couple named Todd and Janelle. So in the next scene, we see a young John Connor ignoring his foster mother when she's telling him to do his chores. And the foster dad isn't much help either. John and his little hood rat friend leave the house on a dirt bike. And you can tell he's a little troublemaker, a little troublemaking thug headed nowhere fast. And he doesn't really listen to authority. So next up, we see Linda Hamilton who is playing Sarah Connor, working out in the Pescadero State Hospital, a criminally disordered detention facility where she is a patient and detainee. Her bed is turned on its side so she can do chin-ups. So she's low-key ripped in this movie, y'all. But then we see another face we recognize from the first movie, the criminal therapy guy, the criminal psychologist guy, Dr. Silberman. So he's been following Linda's case for more than 10 years now. So he's in the hospital discussing her case with some other doctors doctors who appear to be residents. So Linda was diagnosed with acute schizoaffective disorder. So as Silverman is going through, he's basically telling Linda's story. So we have some more background, I'm guessing in the event that we didn't watch the first movie or just to remind us of what happened in the first movie. So Silverman talks to Sarah through the door of her cushy cell and we find out that she stabbed him in the knee a few weeks back so they have a very adversarial relationship and we also find out that she's tried to escape a few times but Silverman 
orders the orderlies to drug Sierra. They're like, hey, she can't be messing up her room like that. We need to keep her under control. So in the next scene, we see Robert Patrick, the creepy silver Terminator, dressed as a cop to go to the house of John Connor's guardians. So Todd answers the door and Robert asks for a photograph of John. And so the foster parents reveal that there was like a big man here on a bike who also came by looking for John. They don't suspect anything. Thing when these two men come asking for this kid because he stays in trouble so much it makes sense that somebody would be looking for him that's really unfortunate <laughs> so now Robert, the Slim Terminator, is alerted to Arnold's presence, okay? So in the new scene, we see that John is using a computer and a card skimmer to withdraw $300 of someone else's money from an ATM with his mulleted hood rat friend. John learned how to do this from his mom, okay? John tells his hood rat friend and us a little bit more about Linda. Linda was shot and caught trying to blow up a computer factory, and that's how she ended up in the mental institution. John calls her a psychologist and a loser so we know how he feels about his mama so next up Linda is with Dr. Silberman and she's watching a tape of herself recount a dream that she has every night she appears to be describing the nuclear apocalypse at the playground and she even knows the date that it happens August 29th 1997 turns out it's not a dream it's a prophecy and I'm like when did Linda become clairvoyant when did we start doing this I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, on the tape, Linda gets more and more upset at the doctor and he's trying to convince her that it's just a dream. But present day Linda, who's watching herself on this tape, is smoking a cigarette and she's like, I'm better now than I was when you took this tape. So her attitude has improved and she has pretended not to believe in Terminators or her prophecy for six months from the promise that she could be transferred to the minimum security wing where she could have hopes of her son coming to visit. This whole thing about her behaving for six months is a continuity error and some BS considering how she just stabbed the doctor in the knee just a few weeks ago. There's a number of continuity errors that happen in this movie and I will be pointing them out, okay? But in this interview, we learn more about Linda. At one point, she believed that a company covered up the evidence of her destroying the Terminator in the hydraulic press. That will come back later. Then we switch scenes to a laboratory where we meet a Mr. Dyson, who appears to be in charge of some type of technology team. There's a maximum security vault that requires two keys to be turned simultaneously to get in. Dyson goes in, he grabs something, and we see that the hand of the first Terminator is actually on display inside of this vault. So come to find out, somebody did take the remains of the first Terminator from 1984 and use it to advance technology. This is in direct conflict with what Linda was told. Okay. So we flip back to Silberman and Linda. Silberman rightfully assumes that she's just putting on a show for him. Her good behavior is not from her getting better. It's just her trying to get what she wants. She begs to be able to contact her son, but Silverman is like, nah, I'm going to recommend that you stay where you are. So she attacks him and she ends up getting tied to the interrogation table where she's going to receive some calm down medication. So the next scene, we see Arnold riding through the city and he happens to spot John. But at the same time, the skinny Terminator is acting as a police officer and showing John's picture around. Have you seen this little dude or whatever? And some small girls, it's like, yeah, he said he was headed to the Galleria. Who out here just, I don't know. 
is this how people canvas? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works. At first I was like, what is the Galleria? Like, what is that? In Houston, it's like a super huge, super posh mall. But like, what is that in Los Angeles? And turns out it's also a mall. <laughs> so John and his hood rat friend are at an arcade in the mall playing Space Invaders, which is super cool, super fun game. But both Terminators pull up to the Galleria at the same time looking for John. His hood rat friend even though he is a mulleted hood rat, is loyal though. So when the skinny Terminator, who again is dressed like a cop, asks if he knows John, he's like, nah, I don't know where he is. But then he runs over to John and he's like, yo, that cop is on your butt. They automatically assume that John is in trouble because he is a thief and a criminal. <laughs> So John runs through the bowels of the mall and runs into Arnold Schwarzenegger as he's trying to escape the skinny Terminator. So Arnold hit a shotgun in a box of roses and takes the gun out. And John is like, oh, snap, this big man got a big old gun. I need to get out of here. So John backtracks when he sees the gun. But now he's caught between the two Terminators along with a person who works at the mall. So Arnold shoots the skinny Terminator with the shotgun and the skinny Terminator returns fire, killing the mall worker and empties the clip into Arnold, who's shielding the child with his body. So Arnold shoots the skinny man multiple times and the wounds look like aluminum rippled bowls. The skinny man is on the ground when the wounds start closing up and then they engage in hand-to-hand -hand combat, breaking through walls and whatnot. So John runs away as Arnold Schwarzenegger's stuntman gets thrown around by skinny Terminator. And so Arnold gets thrown through a window of a store while Arnold is getting his bearings. The skinny Terminator heads out to find John. So John's dirt bike starts up right when the skinny man gets to the parking garage and Robert Patrick, skinny Terminator, chases him. This run, like I said, is iconic, y'all. The skinny man ends up commandeering an 18-wheeler, and Arnold Schwarzenegger follows both of them on his motorcycle. So John's on his dirt bike riding away, and he heads to this weird sewer tunnel-looking place. I feel like a lot of scenes in LA are filmed here. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they're called. It looks as if it's a reservoir with water on the off occasion that it actually rains in Los Angeles. But because it doesn't rain very often, it's just like an open space where people go to ride bikes and do car chase scenes and whatnot. If you, I hope y'all know what I'm talking about because I feel like I'm not making no sense. <laughs> so when John sees that the skinny Terminator is willing to drive into the sewer tunnel to get him, he speeds away as fast as he can. And then a flick flub occurs in this scene. So a flick flub y'all is a continuity error. When the skinny man jumps the 18-wheeler into the sewer tunnel, the windshields actually fall out. But later on in the chase scene, the skinny man is seen driving with the windshield cracked, but still intact. And eventually he actually pushes out the windshield. And it's like, hey, y'all, these are two different trucks. Like, who are you fooling? <laughs> so... 
Arnold finally kind of gains on both John and Skinny Terminator. So he starts shooting at the skinny man. And so the skinny man catches up to John and basically like rams his dirt bike. So Arnold is able to catch up to John and scoop him up onto his motorcycle and shoots out a tire on the truck, which makes the skinny Terminator crash and the truck blows up basically. Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double is a little weird in this scene, but as long as it's not an animatronic Arnold, I'm good with it. Okay. <laughs> so as Arnold Schwarzenegger and John get away, the skinny Terminator rises out of the fiery explosion in TLC Don't Go Chasing Waterfall fashion. And we see that he has the power to mold himself as he's made out of some type of liquid metal and it allows him to shapeshift. So... It's very Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. It's It reminds me exactly of that scene where there's supposed to be water. But it's like, are you water or are you Terminator? I don't know. So when John and Arnold ride away, John calls a timeout and he's like, I need to pause for an explanation. So they get off the motorcycle and John starts asking questions. So he's like, oh, you're a Terminator, right? And he is stunned that Terminators are actually real because he's been hearing about it from his mama for years. And he's like, dang, I thought she was crazy. <laughs> you're actually real. So Arnold Schwarzenegger reveals that 35 years into the future, the older John has reprogrammed Arnold Schwarzenegger to protect his younger self from termination. I feel like this is an oversimplification, okay? I do not buy this explanation. Where the heck did John Connor get the abilities to reprogram a Terminator, let alone the same Terminator that was sent to destroy his mother? I feel like they're playing us for fools a little bit. I hate when people skip over details that make something seem more real. It seems like a cop out to just say, oh, John Connor, the military leader, reprogrammed a robot that was designed to kill humans to come back and save him. Since when? Don didn't go to college. The earth had blown up by that time. Where is he getting the skills to reprogram a robot that was controlled by Skynet. Are we just going to skip over that? I guess we are. <laughs> Anyways, it's later in the night when John and Arnold are together and we learn that the skinny man is a mimetic or mimimetic. I don't know this word, y'all. He's a mimimetic poly alloy terminator that they call the A1000 advanced prototype. So John is like, we need to go back to my house so I can pick some stuff up. But Arnold is like, nah. The skinny Terminator is going to go back there to find you because that's what I would do. John is like, I don't like my foster parents, but I need to call to warn them. Okay. So Janelle, his foster mother is making dinner and she's on the phone being super nice to John. And earlier in the movie, we saw she's never super nice to John. So John knows that something is up. So the dog outside of the foster parents house is barking and Todd the foster dad doesn't know why. And if you recall, dogs alert when Terminators are nearby. So that fact still holds true in this movie. So Arnold takes the phone and imitates John's voice to ask Janelle what's going on with the dog. And when Janelle does not know the dog's real name, he surmises, rightfully so, that the foster parents are dead. Okay. And the person they were talking to is actually the skinny Terminator. So when this scene comes to a close, we see that Janelle has killed Todd 
again because she's actually the skinny Terminator and she transformed the metal arm into a knife and stabbed Todd through the milk carton and through his head. Crazy scene. One of the more memorable ones for me and actually pretty scary. <laughs> but we find out that the A1000 can shapeshift into anything that it touches, but only for an object of equal size. We also find out that it can't turn into complex machines like bombs or guns. These are weird qualifiers, but I love when we get into the nitty gritty details. And this is why I'm pissed off that we don't talk more about how John Connor learned how to reprogram Terminators. Like, oh, we can make up rules like, oh, he can't turn into a gun or a bomb or you know all this other stuff he can only turn into things that are his same size but we can't talk about how John Connor managed to trick Skynet and take Arnold offline long enough to reprogram him whatever (laughs) but next up we see two officers at the mental hospital interrogating Lisa they have surveillance footage of the new Arnold Schwarzenegger at the mall and if you recall he killed like 17 police officers by shooting up a precinct back in 1984 so the cops are like this guy is back in town the cops are gonna be all over him Linda what can you tell us and earlier in the movie Arnold Schwarzenegger tells John like hey we gotta avoid the police and I was like that makes a lot of sense because cops hate cop killers and he killed like 17 of them so they're gonna be all on his head so that's the last thing he needs so the cops that are interrogating Linda tell her that John is missing his foster parents have been killed and Linda just really isn't responsive so she's playing catatonic or whatever and so she steals a paper clipped off of the officer's paperwork and gets sent back to her room. So in the next scene, John is telling Arnold Schwarzenegger about his life. Oh, we spent some time in Nicaragua. Linda kept hooking up with people like gun runners so she could teach me how to be a great military leader. And he's like, I hated my mom for being crazy. But now that he sees that she was telling the truth, he has a change of heart. He feels bad and he wants to get her out of the mental hospital. So Arnold is like, nah, she's not the priority. And the skinny Terminator is probably going to find your mom and kill her and pretend to be her to get to you. And John is like, nah, I ain't having it. So when Arnold kind of hems him up, he basically yells stranger danger to alert some onlookers nearby. It's like two big dudes or whatever. And when John says, let me go, Arnold does so and John falls to the ground. And it's in this moment when we find out that one of Arnold's mission parameters is to do as John says. So two large guys who come over to see if John is doing okay, you know, they come over to make sure that this child is not being abused. It's a wonderful thing to do, actually. I don't care for this scene and that's why. A kid is screaming stranger danger. Two guys come over to make sure the kid is okay. And then the kid is like, hey, get lost. And then (laughs) the guy who comes over gets mad and calls John a bad name. He was like, you were just calling stranger danger. Then when I came over to talk to you, you want to tell me to just buzz off or whatever. I would be mad too. And then this is where things kind of get out of hand. John, a juvenile delinquent who just realized he has command of a killing machine, orders Arnold Schwarzenegger to grab the guy. Arnold grabs the guy by the hair and the guy's friend tries to attack Arnold so he can rescue his friend. But then Arnold like breaks the guy's hand and he almost shoots the guy. And the only reason that the guy doesn't get shot is because John steps in and like kind of moves the gun away. And so John is like, you can't go around killing people. And like, you're not a Terminator anymore, okay? And John orders Arnold to help him get his mom. 
So unfortunately, the A100 skinny Terminator gets to the hospital first. So Linda is looking catatonic as she's being strapped to her bed. And the orderly who's in her room strapping her to the bed licks her face like a creep. That man was creepy. That was so creepy. Yuck. But Linda uses a paperclip that she stole to break out of her restraints. And so the skinny Terminator enters the hospital and asks for Sarah. And so the receptionist is like, oh, your police friends are here. And then she turns around and that skinny Terminator is gone. So that was weird, right? So when the officers exit, the guard locks up the facility and Sarah is using the paperclip to pick the lock to her cell. So when the guard walks on the floor, we see that the A100 skinny Terminator has become part of the floor so he could get physical contact with the guard so that he could shapeshift into him. He rises off the floor in like a pretty scary fashion and shifts into the guard's likeness. It's very Buster Rhymes, well, 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 what's it gonna be? The A1000 Terminator kills an animatronic guard by poking his sharp elongated finger through his forehead. Y'all, I hate these animatronic robots, (laughs) y'all. But he drags the guard's body into a closet and takes the guard's gun. And so the creepy orderly comes across an open maintenance closet. And while he's distracted, Sarah smacks the dog piss out of him with a broken mop handle. And she is not playing with him. She beats the crap out of him. And if you lick my face unwarranted, especially when you're in a position of power over me, I might do the same thing. Okay. So she drags him into her room, takes his keys and locks him inside. And she begins her escape attempt. So she takes his bully clothes. and she makes her way downtown trying to escape y'all something about the way she takes the billy club or bully club is it bully club or billy club Jesus, I don't even know. The way she takes it is so funny to me. I don't know. It's like something about her movements makes it look almost martial arty. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about. So we're gonna move on. So Sarah comes across an orderly and Dr. Silverman. So she basically beats them up (laughs) and she drugs the orderly and she breaks Silverman's arm and threatens to poison him with an industrial strength like drain cleaner. So at this point, Arnold and John pull up to the hospital and John makes him swear that he won't kill anybody. It's good to see that even though John is like a little juvenile delinquent, he has some morals. So Arnold pulls up and shoots the guard at the gate in the leg because that's a loophole. He'll live. Shooting somebody in the leg is actually quite dangerous, especially if you hit that femoral artery. Yeah, the femoral artery. If they bleed out, they dead, y'all. So don't be shooting people in the leg. So Arnold takes the guard's gun and some extra clips and next we see Linda is holding a needle in Silverman's neck and is using it to bargain with like the other guards and orderlies or whatever. And I'm like, there's no way that she has a steady enough thumb to not press at least a little bit of the Drano into his neck. That is so dangerous. But Silverman basically orders a guard to do what she asked and she's the one calling the shots right now. But then a different orderly that she doesn't see accosts her while she's not looking. And so she removes the needle from the doc's neck, attacks the orderly and makes a run for it. One of the other guards hits the alert button and now everyone knows that something is up. So Sarah is running for her life and she's using the orderly's keys to lock doors behind her. And the orderlies are trying to chase behind her, but 
she's kind of made it so that they can't get to her. So she's waiting on an elevator. And when an elevator opens up, she sees Arnold Schwarzenegger and she falls to the ground and crawls backwards in horror because this is the same Terminator that tried to kill her back in 1984. And this scene was very good acting. She looks stunned and she looks horrified and all the emotions are there, girl. So she runs away in terror and she ends up getting tackled by multiple orderlies as John is yelling out to his mom. But Sarah is so terrified she ain't listening. So Arnold jumps into action and throws around the orderlies and gets them off of her. And then he mushes the hell out of a female guard. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So Sarah is scared and confused, but John reassures her and Arnold says the famous line, come with me if you want to live. It's a call back to Reese from the first movie. So suddenly the skinny Terminator shows up and he morphs his way around the metal bars and begins to attack Sarah, John and Arnold. They run to the elevator while Arnold shoots his shotgun at the skinny Terminator. All of this is happening while Dr. Silberman is watching on in horror. So it's very interesting that Dr. Silberman, who has been gaslighting the crap out of Sarah, gets to see right before his very eyes and actually survives this encounter and sees that she is being accompanied by two Terminators at once. One who has very interesting abilities and powers. So Dr. Silberman knows that she was telling the truth. How interesting. I'm mad that we don't come back to that, but whatever. This whole scene is happening and the skinny Terminator is attacking them. And when they show Arnold running into the elevator, it's hilarious. It's hard to describe, but it's like he does this weird lazy running, which is very funny to me. So they make it into the elevator, but then the skinny metal man is able to pry the doors open. And then Arnold shoots the skinny man in the head. But if you pause the movie just right, you can see that the skinny man's head is already partially split open before Arnold shoots him. Very interesting. The shot to the face slows him down a little bit, but not for long because skinny Terminator tries to stab Arnold and Sarah and John through the top of the elevator car. This is horrifying to me. I feel like this is the worst thing that could happen to anybody if you're trapped in an elevator. <laughs> but Sarah and Arnold try shooting through the roof of the cable car, even though they can't see him. But Sarah is trying to figure out what kind of newfangled technology is this? Like, I know what kind of Terminator you are, Arnold, but who is this metal dude? So Sarah ends up getting stabbed through the top of the elevator and they get to the garage and commandeer a police car and they leave just as the skinny man starts to chase them. They keep shooting him. John reloads the guns. He's actually quite good at it and quick at it, which means he has remembered the training that his mother gave him. And the skinny man is able to grab into the car until he is shot off by Arnold and they lose the skinny man. They live to see another few hours apparently. <laughs> So now they have a chance to regroup and Linda scolds John. She's like, why did you come to rescue me? You're way too important to risk yourself, even for me. She's not very grateful that she was broken out of that place. I think part of it is also because she felt like she was capable of breaking out anyway. She was well on her way to escaping that place. But John cries because he's upset that his mother's yelling at him. John literally like risks his little life to come get you. You're going to yell at her or whatever. And the Terminator doesn't understand what tears mean. But the skinny Terminator steals a cop motorcycle 
and Sarah, her son, and Arnold seek refuge at a gas station slash automotive shop where Sarah and Arnold receive first aid. So we find out that Arnold has healing abilities and can last 120 years on his power supply. We also learned that he is like a learning cyborg who can learn from humans and become more human as he learns more. So Arnold stands watch all night because he does not need to sleep and it's morning time. Arnold breaks into a station wagon and rips it apart to start it, even though the keys are in the sun visor. Why are the keys always in the sun visor on the movies? This is the second movie I reviewed that had keys in the sun visor. So they head south to get away from the police. It's at this point in the movie where we can hear John's voice or the actor who plays John, we can hear that his voice starts to change. You can hear it crack a little bit. And we figure out that he starts trying to teach Arnold to talk more and act more like a human and less like a robot. He teaches him phrases like, no problemo, eat me, hasta la vista baby, and chill out dickwad. And they stop at a gas station to eat and take care of car maintenance. And we see two kids fighting with what looks like two very real guns. These guns look real. I was like, what the heck is going on? What the heck is happening? I don't understand what's happening right now somehow watching these two kids fight with these guns prompts John to ask if humans are going to make it. How do we transition from this? I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. Basically, Arnold says it's in your nature to destroy yourself. But come to find out, Miles Dyson is the person who is the most directly responsible for building Skynet. So it looks like Sarah is trying to be a Terminator her damn self. <laughs> we find out that Miles is the director of special projects at Cyberdyne and will build a microprocessor that will go on to basically take over the military and lead to the nuclear war slash apocalypse. The problem that I have here is that this particular explanation is wrong in the timeline. Arnold says that Miles will build a chip in a few months and then three years later the chip will be in the military defense system. But if the movie takes place in 1995, three years from then would be 1998, which is after August 29th, 1997, when the nuclear apocalypse happens. So this is another, yet another continuity era. If we ignore the horrible math, we learn that humans are eventually fully removed from the military with computers taking over all of the defense, okay? The computer learns quickly and becomes self-aware at 2.14 a.m. on August 29th. It's very interesting that they become self-aware and on the same day the computer becomes self-aware, it tries to destroy humankind. <laughs> we are the worst. <laughs> But when humans try to pull the plug on the machine, once they realize the computer is self-aware, it launches a missile at Russia. And then the Russian counterattack kills the Americans and this becomes the nuclear war, okay? So Sarah is like, I want to know everything about Dyson. And later we find out why. So in a weird scene, and I feel like it's low-key unnecessary scene. They stop at a spot in the desert that has like a few RVs and it looks very deserty, y'all. But Sarah is looking for somebody named Enrique. And we meet Enrique and his family. It's a bunch of kids there. Enrique has a wife and some kids or whatever. They introduce Arnold as Uncle Bob and Enrique's family greets them. They seem to be very fond of Sarah and John. Enrique tells Sarah that John, Uncle Bob, 
and herself are all over the news. And Sarah is there like, I'm just here to get some supplies and I need them now. Enrique appears to be some type of gun runner that she's built a relationship with. Doesn't appear to be romantic. But he has an underground bunker full of weapons. And it looks like Sarah prepared the stash because she knew what was coming. Sarah in this movie is finally able to change and get out of her mental hospital uniform. And she is freaking ripped in this movie. She actually looks very good. John and Arnold talk while Arnold repairs a truck. And it turns out that John knows about sending his dad back to 1984, which basically means he sent him to his death. That's a lot for a 10 year old <laughs> to take on. But Arnold asks why people cry and John tries to explain emotions to a robot. I mean, a cyborg, y'all. But John asks for a high five and we just see John and Arnold bonding in a way. And John trying to teach Arnold how to be more like a human is actually like really cute and one of the better and more joyful parts of this story. Sarah starts to narrate for us when she starts to see them interacting and she sees Arnold as like a father figure to John. And she's like, he really is the only person who will protect him. And so Sarah kind of stares enviously at Enrique and his family. At first I thought it was envy, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's more so like all of them are going to be dead in a couple of years. I need to do something. <laughs> and that's exactly what she eventually does. But before then, she falls asleep and has a dream. And it's the dream that she was describing from earlier in the movie. She's on the other side of a chain link fence from a playground full of children, including a younger version of herself and John. She's yelling to herself and John and the other people at the playground inaudibly. And suddenly a bright light sparks in the sky and the earth starts to burn. And all the kids and the parents at the park burn up and she burns up too. And there are these animatronic people getting burned up. And again, I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. It's 1991. So I'm going to calm down. <laughs> but a major kind of like mushroom cloud thing happens and then everything gets blown to smithereens and people fly away like burnt pieces of paper. However, Sarah's skeleton is still holding on to the fence though. And it's like everybody else flew away like paper and were completely disintegrated. But we still saw her skeleton. Another continuity thing. So Sarah awakes from the dream and is energized by yet another depiction of the world ending in a fiery nuclear war. And we see that she carved the words no fate into a wooden table. And so she leaves Mexico looking like she's a part of the Rhythm Nation without John and Arnold. And so when John sees the carving on the table, he reminds us that it's part of the message that he made his father memorize when he came to rescue her in 1984. Again, I didn't remember that, so I'm glad he said something. But this is really his only clue to figure out where she's headed. We figure out that she intends to change the future by killing Miles Dyson, so they have to stop her. Arnold is like, mm, this is dangerous, and the skinny man might anticipate this move and it's dangerous for us to go anywhere that he might go but John is like don't you understand why we're doing this I know you're a terminator and everything but you do you know why you can't go around killing people no he doesn't John he's a freaking robot okay 
But next up, we see Miles, who's at home with his wife and child. His son is playing with this remote control car. And Sarah is outside getting ready to snipe him with a bullet from like a big gun that has a laser on it. And so Sarah almost pulls the trigger. Sarah gets ready to pull the trigger when the remote control car hits his leg and causes him to duck right when the bullet fires. So he recognizes he's under attack and ducks for cover. And so his wife and son are freaking out while Miles is like hunkering down trying not to get shot. So Sarah rolls up in the house and as Miles is running away, she shoots his stunt double in the back. (laughs) And so the son shields his father from Sarah, which like... Go ahead, little boy. That's so brave, okay? But Sarah starts blaming Miles, and then she realizes she can't pull the trigger. She wanted to kill Miles. Miles had a nice house, y'all. That house wouldn't fly. It would be old and kind of niche or kitschy, maybe, for now. But in 1991, that house was nice. Go ahead, Miles. Go ahead. Black man in tech. But Sarah realizes the gravity of what she's about to do. She's about to kill this man in front of his wife and child. And she decides to kind of back off. And so now she's crying in a corner. So Arnold and John arrive and John goes over and hugs his mom while Arnold tends to Miles and his family. So John and Sarah have this tender moment or whatever, and John takes Danny away while Arnold removes the flesh off of his hand to reveal his robot hand. And Miles recognizes the robot hand because it's the same one that's inside that vault up at Cyberdyne. So he puts two and two together. So when things calm down and Miles gets some first aid, they basically tell Miles that his invention will eventually lead to a nuclear holocaust. And it turns out that the day of the blast is called Judgment Day. I'm finally putting the pieces of that together. Hence the name of the film. But Sarah does this monologue about how men like Miles created hydrogen bombs and they don't know about the true creation of a human life inside your body. And John is like, mom, you need to stop. Okay, you're going off on a tangent. But Miles is like, we have to destroy all the work. We have to destroy all the files at the lab. We got to destroy that chip that's in that weird vault. And we got to destroy the arm from that Terminator. Okay, for that Terminator arm from 1984. Sarah at this point gets mad because they lied about not taking the Terminator's body. So basically they have to destroy everything to make sure that the world does not burn in two years. Okay, so the four of them, Miles, Sarah, John and Arnold go to Cyberdyne. They threaten and neutralize the guard at the front desk and another guard finds him tied to a urinal. So this second guard sounds the silent alarm system. So when Miles tries to use his access card to try to get the keys he needs for the vault, his access gets denied. So the juvenile delinquent criminal John uses the card skimmer that he used earlier to try to access the safe that's holding the second access key for the vault. So Miles takes them back to the lab while the guards call the authorities and identify the culprits as the very wanted Terminator and Sarah Connor. So this is about to be bad, y'all. So when the access codes don't work for them to get into the laboratory, Arnold uses this handheld bazooka type gun to blow the door off. 
So this activates the halon system, which if I understand correctly, sucks the oxygen out of the room to preserve the precious materials or whatever. They get some breathing apparatus for the lowly humans and they get to work destroying everything or building a bomb that's large enough to destroy everything. Next up, we see the skinny Terminator at Miles's house where all of Miles's home files are being destroyed too. Right as he is about to go into the house further, a call goes out for all units to respond at cyber dying for Sarah and Arnold. So thankfully he leaves the house. I was actually very worried that Skinny Terminator would kill Miles's family. So I was glad that he got up out of there. So back at the lab, John gets the second access key out of the safe using the card skimmer as the adults are loading up the lab with explosives. We find out there's a remote detonator and John comes in to alert them that the cops are there. He saw them on a security camera. So Arnold leaves to take care of the police and he remembers his vow to not kill anyone. And he carries something called a minigun, which is super ironic because it's literally the biggest gun I've ever seen. <laughs> and he uses it to shoot at all the cops, but he doesn't kill any of them. It's just enough to get the cops to kind of scram and back off. And then he uses a small bazooka and confirms there's no human casualties, whatever, whatever. So Miles and John go into the vault. They grab the chip from the OG Terminator from 1984 and also the arm from that same Terminator. But then SWAT comes into the office and they get ready to go. They up in Cyberdyne. They ready to grab these criminals, right? So then this whole scene kind of goes in slow motion. Something happens. Sarah ducks. But Miles, who is unsuspecting and is not used to keeping his head on the swivel, ends up getting shot multiple times with the detonator in his hand and he's dying. So he and Sarah look at each other while they're hiding from the SWAT team. And he kind of signals to Sarah that he's going to blow that shit up and that she should leave. <laughs> so she runs into a room with no exit, but Arnold smashes through the wall to grab her and Sarah John and Arnold make their escape. So the SWAT guys roll up on Miles, who's dying and breathing really fast. This man is a fantastic actor. The way he is breathing, I really believe he's dying. I don't know nothing about medicine or the medical profession. I don't know how people breathe when they are dying, okay? But he is breathing so hard. His face is like gray and pale and he's sweating real hard. He looked like he dying. It's a fantastic. <laughs> depiction of a dying person but he's breathing really hard and he's saying I don't know how long I can hold this up and apparently like when he dies he is going to press the detonator once his body gives out and so the SWAT team sees what's up and they try to leave right so eventually he stops breathing he dies he loses control of his hand and he blows that building up while Sarah Arnold and John escape in the elevator. But then right then the skinny Terminator shows up. So when they get off the elevator, Arnold tells Sarah and John, I'll be back because he has to handle the SWAT team that's waiting for them. The SWAT team shoots animatronic Arnold. This animatronic Arnold is a little better than the one in 1984, but it's still bad. And he injures all of them and then shoots tear gas at the officers outside. Now, meanwhile, the skinny Terminator is riding his motorcycle up the stairwell, but Arnold steals a SWAT van and he finds the keys in the visor. So he's learning our human tricks. Again, what's with the keys and the visor? I don't get it. Anyway, 
He drives into the lobby with the SWAT van and picks up Sarah and John. But then Skinny Terminator realizes that they're escaping and he hitches a ride on a helicopter by driving the motorcycle off like the third story floor and breaking into the helicopter. Interestingly enough, he does not kill the operator. He tells the operator to get out and that operator jumps and falls to the ground. Ouch. And now he chases them in a helicopter. I feel like that's cheating, but okay. So now Sarah is using the bulletproof vest in the SWAT van to provide some cover for herself and John. And they realize that the helicopter behind them is actually the skinny Terminator. So Sarah and the skinny Terminator shoot at each other as Arnold is driving the SWAT van. It's low key not fair because the skinny Terminator has conjured up an additional hand so he can operate the helicopter and reload his gun at the same time. Sarah ends up getting shot in the leg and Arnold who's driving hits the brakes so that the helicopter will smash into the back of the van and blow up. But a tire blows out on the van at the same time and it overturns. But then a man in this weird tanker truck gets killed by the skinny Terminator and the skinny Terminator takes the truck and it turns out the truck is carrying liquid nitrogen. But Arnold, Sarah and John take a truck from another motorist and another chase happens with different vehicles. <laughs> so before the skinny Terminator catches up to them, Sarah is bleeding really badly. And unfortunately, the truck that they're in doesn't go very fast and they end up getting pummeled by the large tanker. So John drives the truck and I'm like, WTF? I don't know. Did Sarah teach him how to drive at a young age? It kind of makes sense, but a 10 year old driving would not do that well. So John drives while Arnold is shooting at the skinny Terminator with his little bazooka thing or whatever. So they enter a steel mill and while the vehicles are stuck together, Arnold shoots the crap out of the skinny Terminator, which disables him. And he climbs onto the hood of the truck and he's able to turn the steering wheel of the tanker to crash it. So John and Sarah crash inside the steel warehouse or the steel factory. And then the overturned tanker crashes inside of the steel warehouse where the actual tank breaks and releases the liquid nitrogen. So the steel workers leave while they're supposed to be still working with this molten metal. But the skinny Terminator leaves the wreckage and walks through the liquid nitrogen and he freezes and parts of him get left behind. Actually a very cool scene of this movie and decent graphics for this part of the movie. So Arnold says, hasta la visa, baby, and shoots the frozen skinny Terminator and he shatters. Arnold at this point looks a hot mess, okay? And because it's so hot from the molten metal in the area, it heats up the liquid metal of the skinny Terminator and allows him to regenerate. So they're like, we got to get the heck out of here. It's very don't go chasing waterfalls. But they try to run for him. But Sarah, again, is injured and they don't really get far. They go into the bowels of this factory and they find a pool of molten metal, which is molten steel. And so Arnold splits off from the boy and his mama and the skinny Terminator comes out of nowhere and him and Arnold fight and the skinny Terminator is not fighting fair like he can make his back his front and he's able to absorb Arnold's hand and then he throws Arnold into a machine where his forearm gets caught in a huge gear so now he's stuck and can't go anywhere and the skinny Terminator is free to chase his real target so 
Arnold, who is desperate to get out of there, rips off his arm to get free. We'll come back to that later. And Sarah sends John on a conveyor belt to an unknown location. We don't know where this conveyor belt was going. It could have dipped him into the pool of molten steel. I don't know. But she ended up managing sending him away so that she could face the skinny Terminator on her own, which is a very motherly thing to do. Okay. So she has a gun with really big bullets, but she can barely reload. And he pins her to a wall by impaling her through her shoulder. Seems very painful. He wants her to call John. I'm like, but why should she when he can just imitate her voice and call himself? I don't know. But he gets ready to point another sharp object at her forehead. And she's like, screw you, beat farmer. And then right before he's about to kill her, Arnold hits the skinny Terminator with a long pipe. Arnold is not doing so well. He only got one arm. He looked terrible. He's been shot so many times. He just is just not going well. The skinny Terminator is beating the crap out of him okay with the same stick and the skinny terminator keeps hitting arnold over and over again with this big steel beam and at one point it's comical because like the fourth or fifth time it doesn't look like arnold or a stuntman anymore it looks like the worst animatronic arnold in history it's so funny but Arnold is obviously messed up. Half the flesh is gone from his face. And as he's crawling away, the skinny Terminator impales him on the stick or the pipe that he used. So the little electrical storm thing happens and it looks like Arnold is dead, y'all. So now Sarah picks up her gun and John is hiding. And interestingly enough, Arnold is able to access an alternate power source and unimpales himself and grabs his little bazooka gun or whatever. So next thing we know, John hears his mother's voice calling to him. And I'm like, John, remember, you can't trust that. Okay, but John don't remember that the whole shape-shifting situation. So John sees Sarah, but then suddenly another Sarah shows up and there's two of them. Yo, this is actually my nightmare. <laughs> This is the stuff of nightmares for me. So having two people there and trying to decide which one is a real one and they look exactly alike. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, it's horrible. It actually reminds me of an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode with Tia and Tamara. I don't know if anybody can remember that reference, but the real Sarah shoots the fake one and the shots push the skinny Terminator closer and closer to the ledge. But eventually she runs out of bullets and things look bad. But Arnold rides a gear up and shoots the crap out of the skinny Terminator and blows him up with a little bazooka gun or whatever. And he makes the most horrifying velociraptor noises and falls into a pool of molten lava where he replays all the people that he assumed. Like we see when he shifted into the foster mother and to the guard and whoever else, which I think was cool. The problem that I'm having though is that as he's dying in this pool of molten lava, I feel like as a Terminator, he's not supposed to be able to feel pain. So why is he making all of these noises and writhing so much? Why aren't you dying with dignity? You can't feel this. What's going on? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it, y'all. Arnold says, oh, I need a vacation. A very human thing to say, I guess. And they throw in the 1984 arm and the 1984 chip. And they think the whole situation is over. But Arnold was like, uh, well, they used my chip and my arm 
to advance technology last time. So they might do it this time. So you got to destroy me too. And John is like, no, you can't go. It's actually very sad. Actually a very convincing performance of a child who doesn't want to lose somebody that they've grown close to. Actually, it's a pretty good performance by Edward Furlong. But eventually they figure out that this is what needs to be done. And Sarah has to lower him into this pool of molten steel because he cannot self-destruct, which is an interesting mission parameter. But Arnold basically says, I know why people cry now. And he recognizes that he's not human and never will be. Do y'all remember Why Must I Cry? Why must I cry? Why must I cry? Tell me why. Oh, only the people who know will know. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, he hugs John, which I think is odd because it's a very human thing to do. Then he hops on a chain and Sarah lowers him into the molten steel. He goes into the steel without all that flailing and whatnot that the other Terminator did. And he gives a thumbs up as he's destroyed. The problem that I have is when Arnold went into that molten steel, he was missing an arm. That arm got caught in a gear inside the factory. Y'all got to find it. They obviously don't find it. <laughs> there is another Terminator movie after this. I'm curious to see if that arm is what leads to the next Terminator movie. I don't freaking know. But the movie ends with a narration from Sarah. She's basically saying like, if a Terminator can learn the value of human life, maybe we can too. So cool beans. So that's the end of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. We got to ask the two major questions that we ask at the end of every movie review. Does it hold up and is it worth a rewatch? If you can forgive the 1991 graphics and the continuity eras, it absolutely holds up and is worth a rewatch. I hadn't seen this movie in over a decade and I still found it incredibly entertaining and appropriate. As we make advancements in technology, I think we all become increasingly scared of how much we use it in our daily lives and the possibility of it turning on us. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the latest Mission Impossible movie has a similar plot, so it does still apply today. I found that the movie was pretty easy to follow despite having a few plot holes or discontinuities. The acting is taken up a notch with a lot of good performances and the moral of the story shines through and a vicious villain redeems himself. I have not seen the third movie, but I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> All in all, it's a good film, and if you haven't seen it in a minute, the action scenes are decent, the tender moments are lovely, and the horrible graphics and robotics are hilarious, okay? The peeps over at Rotten Tomatoes gave Terminator 2 Judgment Day a critic score of 91% and an audience score of 95%. I'll talk more about that now as we compare the two. All right, so it's time to get into this comparison. I feel like people generally say that Terminator 2 is better than the first one. And while I can see why, I actually like the first movie more than I thought I would. Part of me feels like some people feel this way because they don't want to think of Arnold as a villain and they consistently think of him as a good guy. And 
I don't know how true that is. <laughs> but despite the fact that Arnold played a villain, the first movie had a twist. It had an attempt on romance, lots of action scenes, and what I'm assuming were decent graphics for 1984. It shows us the origin of a lot of the phrases from the second film, and it helps me make a lot more sense of what happens in part two. It laid a pretty good base for other sci-fi and action films, and I feel like that explains the 100% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So this is like another problem that I have with Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of the reviews are made by people who are so enchanted by a film's history and impact that they may not be able to look at the film for its own merits. The movie is not perfect. There's almost no buildup to the romantic element of the story. Reese being John's dad becomes a little bit predictable towards the end, and the robotic slash graphics are pretty laughable. Overall, I think the first movie lays a good base for the sequel, but it is not perfect and does not deserve a 100% rating. Speaking of the sequel, I really think James Cameron took things up a notch. In the seven years between the movies, the graphics improve, but not all of them. This story is kind of a story of redemption. We get to see the adult John leading the revolution, and we see Arnold switch from villain to savior. I will say that somehow the second Terminator movie easily explains the key points of the first movie so well that you actually don't have to see the first movie to get the plot. The second movie features great emotional performance. It has tender moments and it does a decent job of humanizing a robot. There are tons of action scenes and one of the most formidable villains in A1000. He literally seemed undefeatable. We got to see what kind of mother Sarah became and how she prepped John to be a leader and a criminal. And we get to meet John, the punk kid who goes on to show that every story has a beginning. This movie has a focus on mental health and actually leaves survivors and witnesses of this crazy futuristic technology. I'm low-key very happy that Dr. Silverman survived, even though he was a nuisance in this movie. He knows that she's not crazy. And any attempt to say that she was telling the truth makes him look crazy. So now he's going to be institutionalized. I wish we would have returned to that piece of the story. I actually really enjoy it. <laughs> I really enjoy thinking about that. Unfortunately, the Black man in this movie had to die. And now that I think about it, the black man in the first movie, Lieutenant Traxler, also died. Hmm, sounds like tropes to me. But this one is actually even more tragic because you already know we don't have enough black men in the STEM field. So we just killed off another one. <laughs> but <laughs> I do like that people were on board with the mission to destroy the work before it progressed into what would become Skynet. And this movie is just jam-packed with stuff. It's almost a little overwhelming. It's over two hours long. It took me forever to watch and take notes and also to review. And it's a lot of movie, okay? I will agree that I enjoyed this movie better, but it is also not perfect. I identified a few plot holes and discontinuities, and I feel like a few of the scenes may have been extraneous, like when they go to the desert, and I feel like when they say that John reprogrammed Arnold Schwarzenegger, I was like, y'all are taking too many liberties now, okay? And while some of the graphics improve, the animatronics were still atrocious. <laughs> atrocious y'all. All in all, these were both good movies despite their flaws. I do think I like the second one better, but not by much more. I found both of the movies to be ridiculous and entertaining in their own ways. If you get a chance, I suggest you rewatch both if you want to watch an old action film, see Arnold in his prime, or laugh at old robots or cyborgs. 
Thanks so much for tuning into this special extended original versus sequel episode of Sub Media Reviews, where I compare Terminator and the Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Please share your thoughts on these two movies on our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. In the next episode, we'll be reviewing Jumanji featuring Robin Williams and Bonnie Hunt. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices. Peace out.